Perspective is up next on Manx Radio and on the programme this week. There's lots of definitions around what poverty is. Um, my view is that poverty is where the total income for an individual or couple or family generates a dilemma for them in choosing which essential basic needs to prioritise and which to ration, um, or even which to do without, which may result in physical, emotional or mental harm or generate charges of negligence. And that's one of my big worries. You know, I wasn't aware until I was getting involved in this work that parents could face charges of negligence if they can't guarantee food security and heat security for children over a, a significant period. That was Neil Mellon of the Isle of Man Food Bank there speaking on perspective in April. There is evidence that suggests poverty is on the rise on the Isle of Man. But what is poverty and how do we define it or how do we tackle it? And what's government doing about it? Do stay tuned. The Nation Station, Fast am I, good afternoon and welcome to Perspective on Manx Radio. I'm Dolan Mercer. This week, it's almost a preview of some elements of this month's Timwald sitting. Two separate documents are being presented to the court, covering loosely similar themes. And we've got representatives of both joining us in the studio. Um, I'll say good afternoon first to Jason Morehouse, MHK. Good afternoon. Good Thank afternoon. you for coming in. Um, tell us a bit, if you could, first of all, um, about the work you've been doing on the Poverty Committee. Over the past 12 months or so, we've been actually looking and drilling down into what's happening on Ireland. In terms of the poverty situation, there are two core aspects that we've looked at. The first one has been, what is poverty? And that is really the core essence of what we've been doing. We've been trying to come up with a definition. We've been looking at what's been happening on Ireland, but also what's been happening in the UK. Has a, def- has a definition now been found? In, in terms of a specific definition, we've not really focused on that ultimately. We've really gone into looking at what the components of poverty are. So rather than coming up with a slick, this is, we've got an assortment of key features that are going to be going together and really identify what poverty is. Thank you very much. Also joining us in the studio, we've got the Policy and Reform Minister, Chris Thomas. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for coming in. Um, The Council of Ministers has a cold hunger and homelessness action plan um, also to be presented to the court this week um, with some overlap. Is that fair? Uh, I hope not overlap because that normally is a bad word. I think it's probably complementarity. And also there's a very helpful report from the public health director on poverty. She she chose to write her annual report this year on poverty and I hope that's complementary as well. But one thing to remind your listeners of, Dolan, is that this these reports won't be debated till December. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've all put out are three reports which can all be debated together now in December, I hope, on this incredibly important issue. They are all now in the public domain, mm-hmm. so you don't feel that there's work being done twice or three times here? Yeah, it, it, that, sometimes I, I did worry about that myself, and sometimes I did uh, worry that we were focused a little bit too much on thinking and uh, defining rather than tackling the root causes of poverty. 
But with hindsight, I think it's very helpful that the Poverty Committee has considered some of these issues in its way and that governments implemented the programme for government, which is actually aimed to tackle poverty. And I can come to that more through the course of your programme. Uh, and I think it'll all come together with uh, making sure that growth in the Isle of Man is inclusive, everybody benefits from it. And I think fundamentally what the programme for government is about is trickle up economics. Nobody can be happy happy and content if there are people who are suffering poverty like your um, speaker from Neil Mellon from the Food Bank described in your opening um, soundbite. He was speaking six months ago in April on Perspective and um, gave a, a loose definition of what he interprets poverty to be and therefore I presume by extension what the Isle of Man Food Bank takes it to mean. Mm-hmm. Um, do you agree with his comments? Well, I think he described absolute poverty very well. Um, it is absolutely sad for everybody, the people directly involved, and for all, for all of us, if people are having to take food parcels. So that's absolute poverty. But my definition of poverty is at a much higher level of income than that, and it's also much wider than just that. And um, we can go back right back to beverage. You know, the five giants that beverage described: want, idleness, squalor. Um, all those things that that Beveridge talked about. And the way we characterise those in the programme for government is we've got to tackle the root causes of poverty. So if I give a figure earlier on early on in this programme, Dolan, you know, the minimum income standards that are absolutely vital on this suggest that you can't really have a normal standard of living in the Isle of Man if you have less than £20,000 as a single person or less than £30,000 if you're a couple with three children. Is that, so, is that income after tax over a year? Yeah, so that's much higher than the sorts of income levels that um, that Neil Mellon was talking about in that clip. So there are all sorts of poverties and what I want and what the government wants and I think the whole of Timberwood wants is not only to tackle the absolute poverty but also to make sure that education, health, um, the job opportunities, the earnings levels, everything about the Isle of Man society makes it inclusive so we can really have a go at not only absolute poverty but relative poverty as well and make sure our island is genuinely inclusive. Mr Morehouse, do you think the work of Timwold's Poverty Committee, um, which is made up of yourself, uh, Tanya August Hansen and uh, Duan Watson as chair, do you think it covers both of those things, absolute and relative poverty? Yeah, because initially we actually started looking at the traditional definitions and we look at how they linked into the Isle of Man and whether people in the Isle of Man did fall into these categories. When you look at absolute poverty, you've got that situation where there's not the food, not the water not the basic facilities for life and we, we struggled to find examples of that on Ireland but we could see how relative poverty was an issue in terms of people who were generally struggling people were using the food bank and probably one of the most memorable things over the past 12 months is going to the place like the food bank going to Gry, meeting these people and actually seeing it from their perspective because when we kind of costed up in Tinwald and we living our lives and dealing with day-to-day issues we aren't actually aware of what these people are really experiencing on another previous episode of perspective this is from the first of september uh, we were joined in the studio by two trade union representatives uh, minister you've already heard this of course mm-hmm. but um i asked them whether there was a perception that we live in an affluent society here um, and obviously the impact that had on trade unions i moved to the isle of man in 1990 and it's a different place now You didn't hear people talking about food banks. You didn't hear people talking about bullying 
harassment, victimisation, mental health issues, stress issues in, in the workplace. You didn't hear people talking about... Homeless. Not having, yeah, homelessness, uh, living on the breadline, poverty, like, the, like they do now. Zero hour contracts. The fact that, you know, what is this government doing with zero hour contracts? You know, moving forward, you know, you're getting young people who were taking a zero hour contract. How can they get on the property ladder? How can they have protection moving forward? It's unacceptable. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be allowed. And obviously, you know, there was a zero hour committee formed. There was recommendations come from that, and they'll still use them. You know, you, the fact is, you've got people who are working. Some people are working four or five zero hour co uh, contracts within government. And basically, they walk in a narrow line because if you do not conform to the way they want you to, you no longer have hours, which puts them further and further down the road to poverty. Not only do they do that, they're then trapped because if you're on a zero hour and can't guarantee hours of what you're going to work this week, how can you claim benefits? You can't. So basically, this, this government have allowed and put their head in the sand when it comes to food, uh, food banks, poverty, you know, housing matters, all these people who were sofa surfing, it's, it's all them things that is not acceptable. And it just seems to be the politicians don't really want to talk about that. It's the elephant in the room, but nobody wants to say anything about it. That was Debbie Halsall from Unite. We also heard from Mick Hewer from Prospect. Government burying its head in the sand, Minister Thomas. Do you... Do you think that's Do you think that's fair? Bucknid, absolute nonsense. So, you know, this government has published a cold hunger and homelessness action plan. It redirected the program for government to focus on inclusivity, caring, enterprise, opportunity for all. Um, over the summer, we published a report um, about intergenerational fairness that shows that for twenty years. Uh, real earnings um, haven't grown for everybody except for the f um, those at the end of their working lives and it, the situation is worse um, for younger people. This government's targeted median earnings. It's done everything it can to improve education opportunities, earnings opportunities, employment opportunities. Um, we have calculated the living wage for the first time that another Unite member described uh, as a massive um, paradigm shift. We've brought attention to the fact of the issues. Treasury, DHSC, two departments of government have funded the incredibly valuable um, pilot at, to tackle the, the real absolute homelessness of a, through providing a night shelter. And we're, you know, we're fascinated and disappointed with what we found from that. There really is a demand, a continuing if, demand. If those words were nonsense mm -hmm. why is that perception there do you think well it's in, in part it's politics in part um there's always a perspective but um i think uh, unite and, and prospect are on our side you know what we've done inside government pay scales and government terms and conditions is we've really tried to focus on increasing the, tra pay the trade the unions end. say that they see more and more people on the poverty threshold on a day-to-day -day basis and it's true i just didn't didn't deny that for the last 10 years throughout uh, europe but particularly in the british isles and including in the isle of man things haven't been getting better um, in terms of median earnings and we're doing everything we can now to reverse that we've lowered prices and we're trying to increase earnings and we've at the same time we've had to we've had constraints on public funds and we've tried to focus those on making sure that everybody has access to the education they need, the training they need, the health they need and the social care that they need at crucial moments in their lives. We've had a bit, <coughs> pardon me, and um, we've had a message in um, to ask why does government issue zero hour contracts? 
Well, there's lots of uh, examples where people prefer to have zero hours contracts and, and, and uh, Mr Housel's quite right. There are people in, who have uh, four or five zero hours contracts in government. So, for instance, we can set it up in different ways for different schools in, inside of the support teaching teaching way. Um, yeah, I agree with Mrs Housel, the general direction, which is that we should be moving away from zero hours contracts and that's what we're trying to do. If that involves changing the law, fine, we will, but more importantly it involves focusing on making sure that people understand that quality of life depends on security of, um, of earnings as well as uh, having backup provision inside the welfare system of social security and the like. Mr Morehouse, speaking from outside of government as it were, um, do you think the Council of Ministers is doing enough? I think they're moving in the right direction. I do worry though that um, there's this tendency to jump and we look at things like the living wage, we're looking at things like zero hours contracts. They they look at the right things, but I'm concerned potentially of other consequences which will result from the decisions they make. So if you just go back to things like the living wage, it is something really important, something that's going to come through in time. But at this moment in time, a lot of businesses are struggling. A lot of business people said to me, this needs to be looked at from both perspectives. I think that's important. And the same with the zero-hours contracts. There's some people who use them, they see the benefits in the short term. You know, if they're mothers, if they're students, they're all great benefits. The problem is with them, if you get locked into zero-hours contracts, then that will impact on pensions, it will impact on lots of other things. So I recognise that the government are trying to do things, but it's getting the balance right and ensuring that good things do happen without too many negative consequences. Let's listen to another extract. Um, this is Debbie Halsall speaking again from Unite. I asked her whether trade unions see evidence that supports the perception that levels of poverty are growing on the Isle of Man. We are getting more and more um, letters of hardship, um, helping support people. Obviously, you can't go into individual cases or anything like that, but you know, it is a daily occurrence that somebody will come and say they're struggling whether that be a school uniform for a child, you know, or putting some meal on a, on a table, you know. This is this is 2019 we're talking. And this is, how, how does this happen on the island? Because the rich are getting rich and the poor are getting poor and it's a, and it's a race to the bottom of um, workers. They are basically, this is not just people who haven't got jobs, this is people who are working um, one, two, two jobs and are working poor people. And, and how can that happen? How is that being allowed? And why is that not being addressed? We address it. I, we address it in, on you know weekly, daily basis. People coming through the door, and it takes a lot for somebody to walk through the door, because the, you know this is this is how they feel. They feel shameful when they're walking through a door when they're putting the hand out. The fact you've got food banks. If you look at how many meals or provision is being provided by these, by the Salvation Army, by you know Greer, by Housing Matters, all these people who are working, you know, collectively and collaboratively to say to these people, you know, come to us, we're here, we're a helping hand. It, it, it it's wrong. That was Debbie Halsall of Unite Union. Uh, Minister Thomas, first-hand accounts there, really. 
Yeah. Do, you, do you still think that's nonsense? Or? Well, no, I'm not, uh, the, the existence of the food banks and the fact that Gry and the Salvation Army and Housing Matters used to give out f- food parcels is undeniable. That's a sad reality that we've got to address. But the evidence in the report that we've just laid before Timwood shows that the number of uh, food parcels given out by the food bank has gone up, but the number gone, given out by all the other charities has gone down substantially because the charities are now working together so much better. And that's an important part of our extra action that's in our action plan to deal with cold hunger and homelessness which is we're going to facilitate as much as we can the third sector working together to complement um, government provision I mean I've worked really really well with Mrs Holsell and with um, and with Prospect inside the public sector and we are making terms and conditions better so that there's more security in jobs but most importantly the three-year pay deal that I negotiated with the union heads um, as the politician involved actually focused pay in the public sector on the lower paid so we had a pence per hour rather than a percentage increase for the first year and that's helped the lower end at the same time we made a commitment for established posts to be paid no lower than the living wage which was calculated for the first time in the Isle of Man by this government in 2017 outside the public sector um, in the last six years the minimum wage has risen by a third and the number of people who are earning below the living wage has gone down since it's been published. So, you know, in actual fact, in, J- in Jason's testimony before, you, you heard the fact that we've got some sectors that are struggling to pay the minimum wage and the higher rates expected by people, and that's a new reality. The national income figures show that there are some sectors that are really suffering because of the fact that trickle-up economics has really come to the Isle of Man and there is a focus on paying people more money. So it's a very complicated issue. As I said to you, the ethos of this government is about inclusive growth, it's about trickle-up economics and that means um, making things better for those in the lower half, in fact for everybody outside the the rich. This is not an island to punish the rich, to tackle the rich, but certainly we need to focus on making things better for the middle and the lower paid and that's what we are doing. As you, as we've discussed before, um, Gry, who uh, implemented the pilot homeless shelter, mm-hmm. have recorded um, fairly staggering, I think it's fair to say, numbers of people using the services yeah. there. So does that suggest that people are falling through the safety net, maybe? Mr Morehouse, do you think? Yeah, it's, it's something I've been really quite surprised about. When I started in 2016, it wasn't something I had at all on the agenda. It was something that was out there and possible but I didn't really consider it and over the past three years it's something that has become more and more significant in terms of my workload um, it's not just the work with the committee but I would say that once a month people are approaching me with issues linked to food um, lack of money and basic life in, in, in general terms it's really quite a shock and having been to Gry, having been to the food bank it's not this kind of turn up and have a fantastic bed for the night don't don't turn up and have um, a wonderful amount of free food it, it's a system that's in place to support people who are really really struggling when you go to the night shelter where Gry are operating it's not a comfortable environment it's something that's quite stark it's you know to actually have to bed down there and do experience that it's a hard thing to do when you go to the food bank, it's not a case of turning up and flee car boot up. There's a process gone through you to explain what situation you're in, how you've got there, and really come with a plan for moving forward. So, you know, these people 
genuine people with genuine problems. I would encourage as well anybody to uh, listen back to Neil Mellon and to Dylan Nevote from the Salvation Army who appeared on Perspective in April. That is available as a podcast speaking about that process that you're you're mm. describing there, Mr Morehouse. Um, Minister Thomas, with your constituency hat on, do you mm-hmm. have similar experiences, people approaching you who are yeah, just, but, just above the, the bread line, as it were? And it's shocked us, um, the use of the uh, night shelter and... Uh, Gry are looking to have that made permanent and this summer's data will be very helpful in that process. Department of Health and Social Care are in, in discussions with Gry about how we take that initiative forward. Do you think that's likely? Do you think it's likely it'll be extended? I think I'm absolutely sure that some provision will have to be made um, to, to deal with this problem and um, the other crucial thing for your listeners to hear is that what we've discovered is that many people who are using um, this facility that's shocking in its uh, brutality and in it, in it, uh, um, you know, having a place to stay like that isn't 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 a basis of a good life. Um, is that they're outside the system? You know, they're they're um, they're people who have come to the island and don't have the basics to get into the social security system. So we need to really focus on working with the third sector to make sure that they're signposting them to the the millions of pounds and the and the, uh, the bundles of support that are available around that's, people. That, that's interesting because Mr Mellon said of the Isle of Man Food Bank that the overwhelming majority of its users are, are from the island. It's only yeah. a very small percentage which are outside yeah, the system. 80% which would the, imply there isn't a big crossover maybe. Yeah, um, eight, yeah, that, that's right. We do. I think the third sector organisations now need uh, now understand that they need to work together better. So one of the actions in the Cold Hunger and Homelessness Plan is to encourage them to put together surf- software to share data and to make sure they signpost into government better. Absolutely wonderful volunteers, absolutely wonderful provision, but we need to um, all work together to to help people when they're at the most need of help. But um, yeah, you're right, these people are from the island, but you know the, the restrictions on the welfare state in the island are pretty strict. It's to do with you know other people in your house, it's to do with parents rather than grandparents, it's to do with people that you don't get housing until you've been on the island if, except for 10 years, except in emergency situations. We're going right back now, I think, to the period after the um, Second World War, the spirit of the was that we were all together in one society and we were helping each other and it was inclusive. In the 80s and 90s and the early part of this uh, century, millennium, there's been a focus on individualism and uh, scroungers uh, as a reference to the welfare state. I think we're going beyond that now. We're going back to understand that it is not healthy to have people who need to use a night shelter and to have people who need to use the food bank. And I think there's an acceptance in society that it's all about inclusive growth and inclusive society, trickle-up economics. And I think pretty much everybody in Timwell gets that. We've had a couple of messages in. I'm just going to um, refer to several talking about the same thing actually um someone's asked why local authorities housing rents have gone up by 40 percent in the last 10 years also forcing tenants into five-year contracts um, and rates modernization uh, people seeing increase in charges are you able to comment on that minister well there haven't been any uh, increases in rates because of rates modernization because it's being debated on on tuesday uh, social housing rents um, have have gone up through repointing differentially in different places um, unusually compared to england and wales and scotland the isle of man in, in allows pretty much all of rents and certainly all of rates inside the um, income security system yeah and it's regrettable that we have poverty of any type but we will always have poverty relative to other people there'll always be somebody who's richer than you and we've got to get the right we've got to get the right balance i mean what it's not only people in in uh, 
commissioners housing who, who struggle um, you know, people in private housing um, also struggle it's not only pensioners who struggle it's young people and we've got to make sure we get the balance between the generations and between uh, different uh, interests in society and there is definitely some rebalancing this government this whole tin world in fact is up to tackling the difficult challenges and what I've said today is that we're into trickle up economics nothing to do with trickle down economics which seems to be the ethos in the Alamand for 20 or 30 years firstly and secondly we're very much about um, acknowledging that we have an issue with homelessness that we have an issue with poverty that we have an issue with hunger and but doing it's, something it's, about it well it's one thing acknowledging it isn't it i think and doing and, something and, and about another, it i mean the, the numbers suggest i'm afraid that not enough is is being well, done i mean they, they to, to, to some extent if you only look at some of the numbers but the number of pensioners who are getting income support has gone down that's shown clearly in the report before tim world the number of people who are getting means tested social security has gone down the number of people who are getting free school meals in this administration has gone down so we need to have a more exact look at the uh, conference four or five years ago there was a conference in the isle of man on poverty i'm looking forward to the same thing happening in coming months when beverage's report came out six hundred thousand people wrote read, bought and read beverage Beverages report, which would be 600 people looking at and reading the reports that uh, Jason's committee has put together and the one that we've put together as an action plan. And wouldn't that be great if 600 people got all of the documents, read them, and then we had a real conference to get a new social acceptance of poverty on the Isle of Man and what we should be, what, what should be done about it? It's not about data; it's about doing something, and that's where we are. You're listening to Perspective on Manx Radio. Thanks for the messages coming in. Keep them coming. You can text 166-177. You can email studio at manxradio.com. The Nation Station, Manx Radio. Faster Mai, you're listening to Perspective on Manx Radio. If you're just joining us, we're talking about poverty on the Isle of Man in all of its forms. And let's listen in to an extract from Neil Mellon of the Isle of Man Food Bank speaking on Manx Radio's Perspective programme back in April about the organisation's finances. Well, certainly from the point of view of the Food Bank, um, our board of directors have acknowledged in relation to the growth factor that we're seeing and the prolonged period that people are staying with us, we've acknowledged the fact that in our fundraising we need to begin to allow uh, a set budget for dealing with the crisis and uh, food shortages. In the past we always said if we have it you get it and if we don't have it it's not there to share. But there are times where we look at some of the essential items, uh, long life milk, baby food, stuff like that and we'll say no if we run out we must go and purchase that from our funds. Um, We have to remember everybody who's working at the food bank, all our volunteers are unpaid. Nobody in the organisation is paid um so as our costs increase and obviously we've got the rent now for Bella Fletcher House but that offers us so much in terms of a central point it's worth the rent but we have to go out and find about 24 25,000 pounds a year just for running costs for the charity and um, so now we've said well actually we need more than that because we need to have money in for a rainy day as well as have money in for the rent Um, So that in itself is a challenge. That was Neil Mellon of the Isle of Man Food Bank speaking on Manx Radio's Perspective programme in April. Um, With demand for the services of the food bank on the rise and therefore the costs for the organisation increasing, do you think it's time government helped third sector organisations more? Mr Morehouse? Yeah, it's something that um, has 
been a recurring issue over the last three years. It's come to the fore several times. And one interesting thing the current Treasury Minister does is um, asks in September each year to put forward ideas that could be considered in the budget. And this was one I actually put forward this year in terms of it, it's something that could be done in terms of match funding, some initiative that's encouraging people to give, but also getting the government to support that. Um, there's always the issue if the government become too involved, then they're sending in their ideas, their bureaucracy, and things may not be as good as the recipients were actually hoping for. So I think, you know, if we can allow the food bank to continue as it is, but find a way to support it, which is there just to encourage it to move forward rather than place lots of restrictions, that would be good. Minister, do you agree? I completely agree. So in the forward that I wrote to the Cold Hunger and Homelessness Action Plan, I actually cited evidence that a Treasury official gave to Jason's committee, which was that the charity contribution was the shock absorber element, the flexibility, treating you as an individual and dealing with you exactly as you need, the stuff that government cannot do because to set that up would require a level of administration, a level of inquiry into people's lives that would be intolerable on both sides. So the third sector has that ability to give you exactly what you need for that short period of time that you might need it for. So government already funds Housing Matters Administration. It's been, it was delighted to support the um, Gry Homelessness Pilot and the, uh, was delighted when other charities um, which get some government support also came into the thing. Food Bank we haven't. Um, Salvation Army has run a hostel with some government support in the past. We have to work with the third sector because the third sector can duck and dive and do, do things. Do you that think that's been done do. enough? Probably not, and so therefore that's why in the cold hunger and homelessness action plan we've talked about facilitating that cooperation better in the future between themselves and also between government and the third sector. We're going to hear a little more from Mr. Mellon shortly. Just quickly, Roger is asking. Uh, Mr. Thomas refers to the report before Timwold, but it's not being discussed in Timwold. Why not? It will be. It will be in December. It seems to everybody best that all the all the contributions are discussed at once, Roger, so we can look forward to massive debate in December. And if that's Mr Tomlinson I'm talking to, wouldn't it be wonderful to organise that poverty conference that I mentioned earlier? Perhaps we can even use a Manx word for it, boiked, but that's probably the wrong use of the word. I won't comment on that, but uh, let's listen to another extract from the episode of Perspective in April. Uh, this time it's a question from a listener to Neil Mellon. Uh, voiced by Aaron Ibanez. Fastamar, yeah, just one here from Andy. Um, he says, hi there. Please, if there have been 19,000 meals, I think this is for Neil, um, put out by the food bank and the NHS, average daily meal cost is £13.74 per day. He's worked out that that comes to £261,000 a year. So what reasons does Alf Cannon, that's the Treasury Minister, give for government not covering these costs? Neil, is that a fair question, fair point? Um I think it's a fair question and a fair point. Um, the food bank takes a lot of uh, pride in being independent. The fact that none of us are paid for what we do means that what, well, hopefully implies that what we say is based on our evidence and our experience. You know, we're not saying something to justify our incomes or our existence. Um, the amount of money is fairly phenomenal, it's being mentioned. And if it wasn't for the support of the Isle of Man public and then the work that we do with the supermarkets to prevent their waste going in the bin and instead being redirected through a properly controlled environment up to the food bank and being distributed, we just wouldn't manage. 
That was Neil Mellon again speaking in April. Minister Thomas, if other third sector organisations get government help and government resource, Mm -hmm. why not the food bank? Well, I can't answer that specifically. I'm not even sure that they've ever applied for any, so that could answer in that simple way. But what I would say is that the Manx public is incredibly generous volunteering for all of these uh, this worthwhile and wonderful activity. They're also very generous giving, uh, as Neil mentioned there. The business sector on the Isle of Man has worked um, with Neil since he had the idea back in 2013 with the food bank. Before that, there was the Salvation Army and Housing Matters and, and other people who were involved. Um, yeah, we, we just need to work together. We've In our Cold Hunger and Ac- Homelessness and Action Plan, we've got the idea of developing a protocol. We're supporting the third sector to work together to have data which they share between themselves and perhaps also to make sure that they're signposting people and knowing whether people follow up their signposting. Yeah, we're on a, we're in a turning point. This government acknowledges that we've got massive is- issues, are challenges for us. We've got to deal with them and basically make things better for the people who are suffering, which will m- make us all better off. Mr Morehouse, um, your committee heard in public from several stakeholders uh, on this topic. Um, do you think it's time that that happened again, Matt, perhaps, but maybe maybe in a bigger way? Yeah, it was, it was quite interesting. Last December, we brought together the members of Tinwald and many of the charities, and we had a tabletop exercise where for, I think it's about 15 minutes, you spoke to a certain sector, a certain organisation, even people from the education department and other government departments and the aim was to really draw out thoughts problems areas that could be considered and worked out going forward um what minister thomas has suggested this morning is taking that to a new level where you're bringing in more people from society more people who've had these experiences and potentially find the solutions that we need do you think that's the way to do it I'm sure so. Yeah, definitely. If we work together, it's going to be producing a much stronger outcome. It's so easy to think you've got the right idea, but by sitting down and talking, you can realise that your idea is the starter, but it can be refined and become even better. Let's take another query um, from a listener. Um, This one's anonymous. It said, would it not be possible for HMRC to tell government when someone is under the poverty line rather than the humiliation of means testing, as they know are true incomes, and us elderly residents aren't used to going cap in hand, nor do we want to. Now, that's a really, really important point, which is that um, means testing was done in such a bad way in the 30s, even in, even in more recent decades, that it, there's a stigma about becoming involved with Social Security. So we've completely got to change the perspective on the, um, on the welfare state and on Social Security if how, we're going to that, reduce... How's that stigma tackled? Well, first of all, we've got to um, establish that it's not a a stigma. And secondly, we've got to devise methods and ways whereby we can absolutely make sure that people are getting the the right information and knowing what they can do and that that there's a discrete way. So it's to do with the way that we we organise access into social security, which can be done with with modern systems. And it's also to do with a fundamental change in the way government thinks about it. So government's always taken the view that we wait for applications on these areas and perhaps we need to think about that in a different way. Perhaps we haven't got the balance right in that. 
you've said that there is a stigma, but then you then said that it's not a stigma. We have to make sure it isn't a stigma. I, you know, there are people, perhaps it's different between the different generations as well and what your life experience has been. But I say for 30 or 40 years, there's been a sort of um, Thatcherite, Reaganite idea that um, there are scroungers out there. I think what we have to accept is that most people, the evidence shows us that most people who are homeless and are needing to go to the food bank are absolutely in a desperate situation. And I'm sure that's the beginnings of a new reconciliation. Another message in, um, this is just from somebody called Jay, but this government does not deliver on its freedom to flourish promise. There would be more jobs and a vibrant social structure to the island life if government encouraged businesses to flourish 24-7. Start by reducing taxation on overtime and unsocial hours working. Also increase the VAT threshold ceiling from 85,000 to at least 125,000. Any thoughts there, Minister? Yeah, there are good points in that. Um, it's not correct that only businesses uh, creates wealth and creates uh, income. Obviously, the public services are vital as well. But we've got to make sure that every every side sees the advantage in this because politics is about doing things by b- bringing everybody with you, just as Jason hinted at earlier on when he was talking about the problems in certain sectors of pay and the minimum wage and the living and, and living income standards. I go back to it again. It costs £20,000 a year in the Isle of Man to to live properly according to normal expectations. It costs 30000 if you have three children. It's uh, it's difficult and minimum wage levels are not up to that. So we've got to, we've got to make sure that Social Security earnings are all looked at together. You know, we, everybody benefits if companies and the public service can afford to pay more. And we've got to make sure that there's Social Security system in the background to fill up the gap so that everybody can have a standard of living that's acceptable to all of us. Let's look to the future then. Um, the work of the Council of Ministers on this, spearheaded by yourself, Minister, and the work of the Poverty Committee, Mr Morehouse, with yourself, Mr Watterson, and Miss August Hansen, and you've mentioned as well the work of public health. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be debated in December. What comes next and what do you, what do you foresee? Uh, action from government side and Tim Wood I know believes in that as well. So the programme for government changed the way we look at uh, economic growth, social justice to a large extent, trickle up economics is all over what we're all over what we're doing. That's accepted by the Treasury Minister. He's confirmed that in a public place. You keep speaking about trickle up economics as opposed mm-hmm. to trickle down. Mm-hmm. Um, can you can you explain to us what those are? So in other words, we're all better off if those at the in the bottom half are getting better. So one of the national indicators for the program for government is what's called the Palmer ratio, which is the the division of the ten percent highest. Um, earners and the 40% lowest earners, which is around 2.3 in the island, and we're working on making that better. It, we also focus on median earnings, not on average earnings, because median earnings reflects better those at the bottom end. But just as Jason and his committee has explained, it can't only be about income, it's got to be about life chances, it's got to be about having an education that's adequate for everybody, it's got to be about, 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 about training that's adequate, it's got to be about health, it's got to be about having the business sector that's flourishing, just as uh, your last um, correspondent said. We've all these things have got together in that that is the ethos of the government it's about action jason and his committee's work on definitions is helpful i'm sure a conference to bring together people to understand this consensus would be helpful um you know i'm shamed that we have people sleeping in the basement of a church in Douglas. I'm shamed that we have people humiliating themselves by getting um, food bank parcels. I'm absolutely in awe of the fact that we have such good generosity of spirit in terms of donating time and money. And let's hope that that, that, that generosity of spirit can then translate into a better politics. Mr Morehouse, what comes next for your committee? For us, we need to really move forward in terms of identifying what poverty is, 
we, we said it needs to go beyond that income level. It needs to look at the whole person and looking at the social metrics definition and trying to get the Adamant government to accept that and to look at the whole picture as the minister just been identifying and accepting. And I think once we've got that and we've got clear data in terms of what's happening out there, it's going to be much easier to come up with real solutions that affect the people who are really struggling. To paraphrase um, from Debbie Halsall, we're in 2019 and why is this happening now and not a generation ago or or more? Mm. I think every generation has looked at poverty. There will always be poverty here and everywhere else, but we now need to make sure we tackle it in a way that's suitable for the island now. Is there a way to tackle it which is sustainable? Yeah, yeah, we've just basically got to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to make the uh, most of themselves. But if people have issues making the most of themselves because of disability, because of age, because of um, something structural in the employment market, we've got to tackle that. And that's what we're trying to do. I like uh, the Poverty Committee's Social Metrics Commission approach. But there's two other things that are vital in terms of um, definitions and data. The first of those is the minimum income standards, which in the Isle of Man now we've calculated twice through our living wage calculations. And the second one is what's called a, a multi-index of deprivation. And Mr Robertshaw calculated those in 2014 and we're in the process of calculating them again now. Not quite mu- as much about either of those in the um, Timwell Committee report as about the Social Metrics Commission, but I regard their thinking as uh, as excellent and we'll, 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 we'll bring it all together in a complementary way, I think. How about your Timwell colleagues? I think there's a real enthusiasm for this and a desire to change. I think that was really clearly seen last December when they all came together. We have a lot of briefings, we have a lot of meetings, and sometimes the turnout isn't that good. But for that meeting, virtually everyone turned out. And those people who couldn't turn out were actually coming up to us later, getting the information, find out what had happened. So it, it's really genuine. It's really a desire to sort out these problems. They aren't huge problems affecting everyone. It's a small group of people in society that need to be looked after and cared for. And the people that could be members of our family, the people like ourselves who just are having an unfortunate time and we need to be there to support and help them. We've heard from you before, Minister. We've also heard from the Chief Minister that there are several very big tasks facing this administration. Um, political uncertainty overseas, without dropping the B mm. word, um, public sector pensions, etc. Why is this a priority? Oh, it is. It's, it's, in, it's in line with those ones. Climate change, poverty um, and international place of the Isle of Man are all well up there. How we deliver the public service and the future of pensions absolutely interacts with poverty because for the last 20 years, pensioners have done um, pretty well, but young people are not looking at such good... Um, prospects for their pensions and we've got to deal deal with that now so it's not a shock to people in 20-25 years time. There are so many challenges we've got to tackle. Fair play to all the new Timwell members who came in in 2016 in the House of Keys and also in the Legislative Council. They're up for challenges and they're tackling with them. Is it too much for one administration to try and achieve? It is. It is too much for one administration but I tell you um, we're making a pretty good go at dealing with the really big challenges. I'm going to take a final uh, comment really from a listener. Um, Our household income has risen very little in the last 10 years, nowhere near the rate of inflation, but we're stealth taxed to the hilt and seeing services cut. Do you think there's a perception among people that that they are in real terms worse off? I mean, we 10 years ago conveniently takes us back to a very high profile financial crisis, which extends beyond the Isle of Man's borders. So 
And that's fact. That's fact. Real earnings have been, uh, were fell for the first part of the last decade and then have begun to, begun to level out in the last couple of years and will begin to rise again from next year. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, that's fact. Stealth taxes were an issue, but this government has done everything it can to reduce inflation and to make everybody use CPI across the piece. And inflation has tumbled from six percent down to one, one and a half percent in the last uh, in the last couple of years, which helps when you're at the bottom end. We've got to make sure that our our, um, our um, collection of public revenue isn't biased towards poorer people. It's not regressive, as it's called in political economy speak. Um, yeah, all fair points. We're doing as much as we can, as quickly as we can. Massive challenge, and we'll do with it i said last question but we've had another one in which i think is worthy of being asked um did minister thomas this is from andy already admit defeat when he said there will always be poverty no certainly not i'm just being realistic there's always be somebody who's poorer than somebody else there'll always be somebody richer than you so if you take the widest definition of poverty relative poverty by definition there'll always be poverty in the isle of man we cannot afford to have any absolute poverty and we also cannot afford to have massive inequality and both of those we can tackle and we are doing Thank you very much indeed to my guests in the studio this afternoon, Minister Chris Thomas and Jason Morehouse, MHK. Thank you. The Nation Station, Manx Radio.